And welcome to the Dungeon Brothers Podcast. Yeah, you you hear that music. Don't stop. (laughs) Yeah, you just keep your canoe rolling on down the river and don't bother stopping in this neck of the holler. Now he's there, Clem. And that there is Clyde. That's right. And together we make the Dungeon Brothers. Those two lunkheads are taking a break. So it gives us time to give you some insights into our hard-earned dungeoneering experience. <laughs> well, Kill it with fire. And stab it till it dies. That's our watchwords. We appreciate you tuning in to listen to us. So we're going to talk about some of our adventures here. Indeed. That is precisely what we mean to do. Now... On the last occasion that uh, we was permitted to take over this show while those two alcoholic hobos took a break, uh, we had discussed useful things for adventurers to bring along in the event of emergencies. After all, if you can't trust the rogue and you don't have no particular use for mages, uh, or you you don't want to get endless sermons from your cleric, it can be mighty tough for a fighter to get by all by their lonesomes. That's right. So you got to be able to be thinking on your feet and make use of what you got. Whether it means using a strange kind of polearm that you don't know how to pronounce, but you know what to do with it. At I, least a business end. <laughs> I know what to do with the sharp end. I mean, uh, I know that's what you poke the enemy with. But honestly, truth be told, I can't pronounce almost any of them. Heck. I had trouble with pike. Oh, I like me a good slice of pike, you know. Just, <laughs> oh, right. Them, them are weapons. Yeah, all right. Yeah, they may have fancy names, but they're always good because you can reach out and touch somebody with them. <laughs> and not the kindly way. No. But talking about kindly things, some of you wanted to know about our particular adventures in dungeons and how we fought some of the most dangerous monsters that ever came out of a DM's worst nightmare. Oh, we've done that. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, we talked about silver weapons and having one always available, but I'm going to tell you a little secret here. You ever find yourself attacked in the middle of the night by some were-rats? You got a good old roaring campfire going? Make use of that, because kill them with fire is one of our watchwords here. Just put them in an old chokehold and hold his ass into that fire. And just hold him down into it. He'll start screaming and bleating and fighting like mad, but he won't stop until he's dead. And depending on the relative truthfulness of your dungeon master... Uh, now, I know they're a breed partial to parsing the rules in a real careful way, but even the most ruthless of dungeon masters is forced to confess that immune to non-magical weapons as not the same as doesn't need air. <laughs> That's right. You might be able to drown them, although they've put up a heck of a fight. Oh, yeah, they'll, scat you. they'll scratch you up like an angry cat. But if you can keep them down long enough... <laughs> you get the job done. The problem solves itself. Uh. <laughs> Always be creative and thinking of new ways to kill some pesky monster that tries to sneak up on you what in the middle of the night without announcing itself right and proper. Well, now, I never really expected them to give away the keys to the kingdom and just let me know they were coming. But you can protect yourself in isolated circumstance. Now, you don't have to have some mage casting alarm spells left and right. Why, all you need is an old-fashioned bit of string and a few little bells. Just 
place a few right around the campsite, held up with twigs, real low to the ground where they won't see them. But you'll sure hear them when they come creeping up in the night. And don't forget to sharpen up some spikes and some logs and sticks. It keeps them flying critters at bay from charging just right in. Or some rampaging beast just hell-bent on ripping out your liver. No, oh, not much you can do to stop those. But even dumb monsters like zombies who ain't got no sense enough to just lay down in the ground and die. And rot away like all good old monsters should. Some of them zombies are walking dead types. They'll just keep coming at you. See, they don't have much smarts. They'll impale themselves on those spikes, giving you plenty of time to get armed and ready. Of course, leaving a little oil laid around the edge of the campsite in advance. Now, now, mind you, the circle that you're in should be dry. But if you have an abundance of it handy, go ahead and you've got your own portable wall of fire waiting to happen on command. Just throw a torch where you need it, and poof! Yeah, just, just make sure there ain't no druids around, because then they'll give you lectures about forest fires and whatnot. <sighs> oh, Smokey. Yeah, only you. <laughs> only you can save your own hide. Yeah, that's what I tell them druids. <laughs> now, sometimes in dungeons... You do things you ain't proud of. <laughs> I'm just going to lay out here and confess that every once in a while you're going to come across one of them walking dead that don't look like they're dead. And what we're talking about here is vampires. Blood-sucking maniacs. Now, back in my day, when people saw a vampire, they screamed and said, Oh, no, it's a vampire. Run away. Nowadays, people make goo-goo eyes at them and start getting kissy-faced. Yeah. I can tell you this. In all the years I've been adventuring... On the occasions that I have encountered a vampire, not one of my thoughts was of a romantic nature. Oh, well, uh, that's right, I spent Clem. most of it trying to keep my blood inside my body. Yeah, it's all nice and fun until them fangs come out, and then, along oh boy. With, along with various other fluids that I didn't feel like having leak out at the moment. That's right. You just got to keep, keep them to yourself. <laughs> and them vampires, well... Best way to deal with them. Now, there's all kinds of legends and stuff, but one thing we found out for sure is garlic. Garlic works on them no matter what kind they are. They just don't like the stuff. Now, you can smear it all over you, but it's best when you just have a big old fresh sprig hanging around your neck. That'll keep them at bay and give you a few seconds to stab them or set them on fire. <laughs> they don't like fire very much either. Turns out, they're right afraid of it. Again, this is one of those fine old things where, now, it's just another spin on uh, burn it or stab it till it, it dies. dies. But now, you just do it with a wooden stake. Yeah, but you got to get them to lay down. Now, if you find them during the day or something like big dog thing like that, which they ain't prone to laying around just all waiting for you to creep in on them, usually have guards and traps and all kinds of nonsense to keep you occupied Till night falls, and then you're hip deep in blood-sucking maniacs. Ugh. But if you can get them to lay down or hold them down, and they're real strong, stake them. Cut off their head, and toss it in the river. And mind you, an improvised stake is every bit as good as a regular stake. It's not like you have to have them professionally crafted. And if you wasn't expecting the vampire in the first place, just remember that you can always snap Anything would, and you've got a stake. Or that whittle it up into a nice fine point if you got the time. Yeah, if you have the time. But breaking the end off of a uh, spear, just 
knock the tip off and leave the wood. Or, if you happen to have followed our advice and carried along a 10-foot pole, for various reasons, 10-foot pole, that gives you a whole handful of stakes you can improvise with. That's right. Now, see, Clem's got the right of it right there. Now, some of the hucksters in town will tell you, like, it's only kind of special wood that grows in a special tree on a special day. You know, that's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> now, you take that old stick, stick it to a vampire's heart, he's done. Fancified nonsense. Any old piece of wood will do. That's right. I've seen it done. They don't get back up. <laughs> now, of course, finding their coffin's a whole nother story, and we could spend all our time talking about that. But just remember... Vampires don't like fire and stab them till they die. That's why we're here today. <laughs> Living by our motto. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the classics. Now, some of them folks start talking about these here crazy creatures called the Rakshasas. <laughs> yeah, the Rakshasa. Yeah, they all shape-changing carnivores, eating people, I don't know. But whatever they are, they are tough. <laughs> there ain't nothing that yeah. can stop them. When this kitty's bad, you're not going to get rid of it by whacking it on the nose with a rolled-up newspaper or spraying a little water at it. Oh, Rakshasa, well, they're smart. They're cunning. They're mean-spirited. And they're spellcasters. The way it all basically works out is they are not a great scenario for fighters. Uh, it's tough. To handle creatures like these, but if you have a pal who's a cleric, you tell him, Clyde. Well, you go get yourself a crossbow and a bunch of bolts. Have him lay on some prayer and carry on over them and bless them. One shot from that crossbow puts them down in the dirt faster than you can say, look at his split. If you got a handful of fighters and a box of blessed bolts and a couple of crossbows in the party, <laughs> Even the dreaded Rakshasa will be forced to take you seriously. <laughs> or at least run away from you. And that's sometimes just the best thing. Some monsters you just can't fight easily, and you gotta run away. Don't be no highfalutin' paladin cavalier type who says, I never run. Yeah. <laughs> I know plenty of those boys where they live, and they living in the graveyard now. You can go visit their gravestone. <laughs> Say a few kind words for me, for them. <laughs> They bought real estate six feet under uh, in exchange for their high-handed beliefs. That's right. Uh, we, here at uh, the Holler, we're big believers in, if it didn't work, run to fight another day. That's right. Come back and get them later. <laughs> when they're sleeping. Now, also flying around is these feathery ladybirds. They call them harpies or sirens or odd. You know, some uh, sometimes when you go in the water, some you know, on a ship or some uh, long voyage or whatever, some such nonsense you got to do, you run across these things that sing to you, and there always seem to be some kind of women things. I don't know what the gods had in mind with that, but uh, it just shows how dumb some men are. Anything <laughs> for a pair of titties. Uh, it can't be stressed enough that, as we had mentioned in our previous episode... It's the equipment you carry with you that may save your life. And it's those little forgotten things. The well-equipped adventuring party has at least a few tallow candles. Enough to shove some wax in the ears of every single member of the party. There's no excuse for not having this. These things are a copper a pop. That's right. You're not going to break the bank. And 
It protects you against all of those charming songs. If they're singing some little ditty that says, Oh, come over here and throw down your weapons and get eaten for fun. Well, you can just tell them, forget that. Or, if you're real cunning, and, uh... And we are cunning. We are. You wander over, looking all stupid-like, wobbling like you're walking like zombies, like you can't wait, big dumb smile on your face, and then you stab it till it, it dies. Yep. <laughs> they don't, the look in their eyes is all <laughs> worth it, right then and there. Because they think they got you by the short and curlies, and there out comes the blade and the sneaker snack, and they're down. And you're still living, and that's what we're all about here at the Holler. Now, oh, while we're giving time. you some words of wisdom, also come upon us that we got to take a little break here for what seems to be some kind of sponsorship. Now, that sounds like a high word for highway robbery, but uh, <laughs> we'll be right back after this break. So you stick around. You hear? Or else. All right, and we're all back now. So thanks for sticking around. We got still more to talk about, about crazy monsters you're going to meet in a dungeon. <laughs> there are things worse than uh, orcs in the dark places of the world. Wow. I heard a wise old mage once said that. Yeah, you ain't lying, Clem. <laughs> now, one of the worst ones we ever faced was one of them there beholders. Oh, and he's not just a kidding. Honestly, it's no peach for any party of adventurers to face a beholder. They are walking night... Well, they don't even walk. They're floating nightmares. That's right. But they are talking. That anti-magic eye in the front means your mages, point blank, are pretty much useless. Unless <laughs> you let the mages do the flanking. Which, it don't make no sense. I know it's counterintuitive. It's your, your warriors and your rogues are supposed to flank while the DPS throws all the might of magic in their face. But this time, it's got to be different. Sometimes you just got to take the bull by the horns. And that's what it is. Now, you can take out your bows and crossbows and all your throwing weapons like hand axes and javelins and hurl them at them. Yay! Even throw some flaming pitch at them if you got it. But whatever you do, go hard. Don't hold back, because you ain't going to have much time. Longer beholders in combat or you're in combat with that dang beholder, the more dangerous it becomes. Now, sometimes you can target that middle eye, but it's good at blinking. But the other part is those eye stocks. Now, they're hard to hit. But if you can get a good shot on them, or a good whack on them, well, you just made it a little easier. And truth be told, as dangerous as it is, a beholder's limitation is the fact that only a few of its eyes can target a particular field at any given moment. Now, if you want to deprive them of the majority of their eye stock uses, y'all got to come right at them from one direction at the same time. And then start hacking them stalks off one by one. Uh, you deprive them of that, and that great big eye don't mean nothing. Now, of course, that means that you got to have some type of flying magic. Now, some people get um, fancy feathery cloaks or boots. I prefer me if I have to do any flying besides being on one of them crazy mushrooms that druid gave me that one time. <laughs> is get me a potion of flying. Now, of course, if he hits you with his middle eye, you're going to start floating to the ground, but... That don't matter none. Some of that means that he's staring at you, and that gives somebody else an opportunity, and that eye's wide open, if you know what I mean. So get yourself one of them, get in the air, and start hacking away at them. That'll make them back off. 
Also, remember that they're going to be levitating and moving around like the get-go. So, just keep at them as best as you can. Don't give them no surcease or rest. Did I use surcease, right? I believe uh, you I'm did. not talking about that Cersei Lannister. No. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, beholders. They're bad. And, you know, the worst thing is they still got a big mouth. And besides just talking a whole bunch of smacking garbage at you, they also got a mean bite. Uh, they're not without the occasional minion, some of the more adaptable. Although they're cantankerous creatures, often given to general loneliness, the more ambitious of them have taken on minions. Now, this is a problem. The secret here is to take the minions out first, in their entirety, or to ignore them if you can. Because you've got to take out the boss first, the longer... It's in play the more danger you're in. Kill it. Kill it with fire and stab it till it dies. Just keep doing it until it's done or you're gone. But we're here to tell you it works. It can be done. Now, everybody wants to kill a dragon. Oh, yeah. When I started out, I said, I'm going to kill me one of them dang flying lizards. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what. They're darn dangerous and they're mean. <laughs> I remember when I was young enough and uh, foolish enough to look forward to the idea. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I got plenty of scar tissue built up now that I can take a look at it and say <laughs> I wasn't the brightest bulb in the box. But now, whatever that means there, just means the dragons are angry, cantankerous, and real cunning. They can smell you coming, they can hear you coming, and there ain't no hiding from them, even with invisibility magic. So, you got few options ahead of you, which is just run in there and fight them. Which ain't gonna do you any good if they got any breathing room. And they always do. Or you can try to lure them out, which is the best way. They sometimes like flying around the countryside announcing themselves, which means they expose themselves to miss a fire. Oh, and nothing angers a dragon like being pelted from below. Now, on the bright side, an angry dragon is a stupid dragon. Uh, on the downside... An angry it's an angry dragon. <laughs> and it's going to come right at you. <laughs> now you can kill them, and fighting them in hand-to-hand -hand combat is a good way to get some impressive scars to impress the barmaids with, but I'm also going to tell you, they hurt. And they're quite prone to leaving combat if it ain't going their way. And this, that just means that you just angered them, and they got a long memory. This is not a two-fighter job. This is a team play effort. Do not try to showboat. Because if you stick your neck out and you're too obvious, you're done. <laughs> Dragons like to use their breath weapons as much as they can. And they all have all dig-dong-ding types. Some of them melt you, some of them poison you. Ugh, well, it's confusing to keep up with them all. And there seems to be more types of dragons than when I first started out. But, you know, generally speaking, any dragon that is like a color is a bad dragon. And a dragon looks like it's something that you want to put in a loot sack, like copper and gold and silver and all that, are pretty nice. And matter of fact, most of the time, they won't even approach you. Uh, and better still, if you do have a conversation with them, uh, they're, they're not averse to the occasional act of generosity, assuming that you've done something useful to them at the time. Uh, now, it's an entirely different story if you've done something to offend them. That's right. Uh, these can be just as dangerous as your colored type dragons, 
the, the whites and greens and reds. But the worst part is they're good. And, well, you don't want to be in the unenviable position of having honked off a good dragon. Just saying, it's not personal. I don't have, I personally uh, don't lean too strong in either the good or the evil direction. But a good dragon is a fine ally. Well, that is, of course, you got something in common with them. Sometimes they got highfalutin ideals like, you know, oh, you know, go protect this place or be nice to these people. I, well, you know, it's like, like Clem said, sometimes I just don't uh, cotton to their way of thinking or just pick up on it. But I'm not a great thinker in the first place. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to fight. So sometimes they tell me like I did something wrong. Well, you know. Eggs got broken, yeah. but we were making an omelet. That's right. Sometimes <laughs> these things had to happen the way they came out. So, we're still here, they're not. Now, remember, all dragons come in sizes. The worst part is when you got a pair that has decided that love is in the air and they're going to raise themselves a dragon family. Oh, Ooh. boy. Mama and Papa Dragon are not friendly at all. Even the good ones are very, very territorial and aggressive. They will let you know with no uncertainty to stay away. And most of the time, that's a good idea. But every once in a while, one of these wizards type gets it up in their pointy hat with the stars and moons on it. They want a dragon egg. Mm -hmm. And they pay a lot of gold. So you got to go up there and get them. So remember, when dragons are in a pair, you're double trouble and they're mean. Bring extra crew. <laughs> yep. Observe the location first. Build your plan accordingly. And do not let them have the advantageous ground or you will lose. That's right. They will use their breath weapons and everything they know how and have learned to take you down. So, now that having been said, uh, what you mentioned about the wizards was a fine thing. Uh, <laughs> there are all kinds of things that monsters provide that happen to be valuable. Now, it's not every loot comes in a chest with, uh, you know, a mint stamp on it. Uh, not every treasure is a jewel. Sometimes it's in the spare part. It's parts. a sword. Oh, oh spare part. Well, Clem's a better thinker than I am, so uh, you go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I happen to be something of an expert in the saleable parts of creatures. Now, uh, in every community, assuming that the creature you didn't get the spare parts from uh, was... You know, assuming it wasn't uh, a good noble creature, uh, there's not much of a black market for unicorn horns we're, we're, unless you like getting arrested. But. Well, Clem kind of told the truth right there. Sometimes you do things you aren't proud of. Hunting unicorn horns is it's not something I'm going to advertise to everybody, but let's just say there's a lucrative market for it. Well, do you like having your poison cured? Well, I do. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's a good act, but I am saying that still being here is great. So, uh, now, there are many creatures that nobody's especially concerned about. Dragons of the evil variety being one of them. Uh, portions of the brain and blood, samples of the armor, if they can be extracted or pulled from the hide before the dragon rots, then you've gotten yourself your real treasure. Now, this is where you want to bring along a ranger. 
whom we consider to be very useful fellows. Not for the unicorn part. I'm just going to stress that right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look, what he doesn't know won't hurt his feelings. Now you tell her that to him. I took a crossbow rope, bowl bolt right to the face. Point blank. We're just thinking about it. <laughs> like I said, what he doesn't know, I'm not telling him anything. What he doesn't know won't hurt me or you. Uh, but uh, rangers can be darned handy at salvaging the hides of rare and unusual creatures. After all, uh, your mages, your clerics, uh, your makers of curios and fine magical items, they find themselves in the market for unusual materials. Uh, the blood and ichor of various creatures, eyes, oh goodness, uh, various internal organs, fibers of muscle off of a giant, anything you can name, that too is saleable. But only if you get your paws on it quick enough, you seal it up in a nice clean bottle, preferably something that you may have had inspelled in town to preserve the contents while you travel, and bring it back. There is a fine living to be made in providing those items, not to mention salvaging the various venoms and things that other I creatures did. possess. That's what I was going to talk about. It's like, well, well, Clem, to you. Clem talks a lot about uh, ranger types. I tell you, you know, you no barbarian or a good woodsman, they can do just as much good skinning as anyone. And more to the point, they don't ask no fancy questions. Of course, with barbarians, though, you got to watch what you say to them. They kind of get a bit picky about certain things that you just have no idea they would be upset about. No upset about that. I won't talk about that anymore. Um, anyhow, getting back to it, if, you know, uh, not all treasures come in the form of jewels and doodads. Well, he's right. Sometimes pison. And I'm talking about the type of pison that makes you do the kicking chicken, where you got a giant rattlesnake or big old cottonmouth. Just take it and drain it out. You know, it's those shady types hang out to the part of town that no one wants to go out after dark. That's <laughs> us. No, 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 no. <laughs> and there's the assassin fellers. Oh, oh, geez. They pay good money. And few questions asked where it came from, from venoms. Especially venoms from the strange creatures like wyverns. I'm not talking about your cousin Bernini. <laughs> I'm talking about wyverns, ones that fly. You got them stinging tails. And any snake like that's got the hooded cobra type. Thing going on like them nagas, yeah, you heard me. Oh, the venom of a naga is a dangerous thing. Oh uh, yeah, more than one adventure has been put in the ground by a shot of that. It can all be used, so just keep your eyes open, and sometimes don't tell that ranger because he's got a crossbow and some sharp ears and even sharper bolts. Ooh, <laughs> so I lost my eye. All right, so we talk about all that high pollutant stuff. Let's talk about languages, because. As you said it best, are you smarter than an orc? <laughs> well, now, I only speak two languages. Oh, yeah, pain. And love. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> well, now, see, now, that's a good idea. But sometimes... <laughs> Knowing a few words of orcish can save your life. Yeah, any of the goblinoid races. It's useful. They speak common. They know what you're talking about. Listen in on them when one of them big old chieftain types is bullying the others, trying to get them to send the rest of the horde after you. Knowing what they're up to can give you a leg up on them. And I'm just not talking about the type that you can bash them in the head with. I'm talking about knowing about their large-term plan, sneaking in and listening in on them. Now, if your 
negotiating delicately with a comparatively large force of uh, humanoids, they may assume that you don't know their language. And whilst they're whispering amongst themselves while you stand there with a stupid look on your face... that That's my default. I feel attacked by that, Clem. <laughs> you were. Oh. <laughs> you feel right. <laughs> However, that stupid look is duplicitous in nature, for we actually know what they're saying. Hold on, I gotta Google that. <laughs> Now, you keep that back in the bedroom where it belongs, oh, mister. No. I don't want to see you doing that with it. Uh. <laughs> Dude, Big old worry. Cleb sometimes gets full of himself when he gets some of that pine cone liquor in him. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you this. One thing for certain. See, it always seems like you're up in some kind of cave or cavern, and there's some subterranean lake or other area that, you know, normally you're just like, oh, well, just pee it, pedal in the lake and move on. Well, sometimes there's monsters that live under there. And you need to get to them, because they got treasure. And so you got to kill them till they die with sticks, but not fire. So you got to get to swimming. Well, I'm a pretty good swimmer, but I can't hold my breath for that long, especially with fighting. So you need potions. Remember, potions is like a fighter's best friend. It's like a mage that don't give you no sass or a cleric that don't give you no sermon. Healing, flying, magic using kind of stuff, but even breathing fire. Of course, that might have had something to do with them burritos I brought with me. <laughs> well, now, there's much to be said for potions. It basically transforms the standard warrior into a walking mage. Uh, it's the Swiss Army pocket knife of inventions. And while we can't use scrolls, and, well, honestly, I don't think I'd want to either. Somebody might mistake me for a mage. And yeah. I don't swing that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but potions will let you do... Half the stuff a mage does, right there on the spot. With none of the sass. Yeah. Now, oh, I need to sleep. I'm out of spells. Oh, I've got hurt and I'm dying. Oh, there's always something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Traveling with a mage is like traveling with my ex-wife. Always something. Uh, one day is one day in a dungeon with a mage is like two weeks. Uh, it just it, there's always something. Uh, Another session of rememorization used up all their spells in just three rounds of combat. I'm not even sure how that's possible. But it seems like, oh, we got to take another break. No. No. If you've got the potions, you don't need the caster. Leave them in town where they belong and take along all the supplies you need in advance. Be it water breathing, shrinking, growing, what have you, levitating. A little potion of levitation. If you, if you little got dabble, handy, do you? <laughs> you got it handy at the time, having it near when a pit trap opens. Well, you may not have enough time if it's a short trap, but if you're in for a long fall, have one of those handy. Well, yeah. Now, see, we covered languages and potions. I think we pretty much walked around this subject pretty well. So always keep your eyes open. Don't take no sass from some highfalutin mage who knows more words than you do. And always remember, monsters speak a language, learn it. Listen in on them and learn what those words mean. It might save your life some of the time. But we appreciate you letting us have this time to speak with you and just share a little bit and carry on and hoot and holler. But if you like what Clev and Clyde do, just let us know. Those two lunkheads, you know how to reach them. One of them's uh, Death Hand Gaming and Twitter. Oh, and the pretentious one, that one's... 
What was it again? Magi Vox. Uh, yeah. Mages. I can't stand them. I can't figure them out myself, so don't feel bad. But we appreciate it, and hopefully you have a good, yourselves a good time in the dungeon, and don't get killed. So remember, until we see you again, stab it till, till it, it dies. dies. We're out. Bye-bye.